I think we should yodel before we start. Yodel, yodel, yodel. Yodel. I read some research and yodel's good for you. It's perfect. Wait, no, no, Hi there, a very warm welcome to Two Parkinson's in a Pod. We believe only people with Parkinson's know what it's really like to have Parkinson's. I'm Dave, he's Kewan. Between us, I've had the dreaded lurgy for more than 20 years, Kewan. It sounds like you've got the lurgy right now. Are you feeling okay? I'm all right. I'm just a voiceover, I'm feeling quite good, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we, we tried to do this podcast yesterday, we were both feeling a bit off. This is, this, this is take two, and... We started by doing a little warm-up, didn't we, of uh, yodelling. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> perfect. Y- yodelling's great for you. And singing show tunes, I find, good. And just exercising your mouth is great. So. Yeah, they, they say singing is quite quite good. And, yeah, very um, good. Choir singing and... Yeah. Uh, Before I used to be on the telly, I always used to sing a song or whatever, a bit of Bruce or... You know, just sing a song, get get the, get the vocal cords going, get the mouth moving. Yeah, yeah, Perfect. yeah. Uh, and music, we've we've said before, is um, it's a great pick me up, isn't it? In terms of that dopamine lift. Yeah, big time, big time. It, it makes you feel good, and yeah. a, a good playlist is a great thing to have. Yeah, we're talking about um, traveling today, aren't we? On, on the podcast, we, we are. And um, you mentioned every every start of every show, we've got tw- more than twenty years experience between us. We've got now, I think, twenty two years because we both had our anniversaries, anniversaries of a sort, uh, anniversaries. Of our, of our diagnosis uh, both, last both, month. Both went away for our anniversary. We did. Parkiversaries. Exactly. We, we marked the occasion. Uh, my, mine was 10 years um, at the beginning of Jan and yours was... 12 years, 26th of January. Yeah, yeah. everyone remembers the date, uh, the time that they were uh, diagnosed and we both happened to be away or rather we marked the occasion by going away and uh, we were comparing notes when we came back about the respective journeys and our travel experience and we thought let's put this into a into an episode because it's such a common topic isn't it yeah exactly the thought of traveling for a lot of people with parkinson's is very stressful the old parky anxiety kicks in you get nervous days before the worst worst more nervous you get the worst your symptoms get it's, it's a horrible cycle yeah and i think travel is a good example of where that can impact because you know obviously there's anxiety building up to travel particularly if it involves like a a flight or a train or a long journey and uh, anxiety runs through Parkinson's and affects in so many different ways but there's something peculiar about the travel experience and crowds and being out being out in public and surrounded by other people and it's just something very nerve-wracking and can can make your symptoms worse and I always find um, I, I try to prepare now as much as possible for, for a journey. Yeah get yourself organised that's the secret packing do your packing days in advance so your bags already packed so you're not last minute well, I, 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 you're you're you're, I you're, you're very minute. late are you <laughs> last minute charlie all the time yeah you're, you're like helen she always has a go at me because like you know i'll be like what time's the flight it should be like 10 o'clock i'm like right i'll pack my bag at nine yeah, yeah. exactly and we'll, we'll we'll leave for like half an hour before and she's like no 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 let's get there like three hours before and she likes to sort of be early and she's a bit like you she you knows if we're running against the clock or even vaguely close to being on time you kind of get a bit nervous right Exactly, yeah. And things like ironing your clothes, you know, you want to do that well in advance. It takes you ages to iron yeah. a shirt or, or iron a t-shirt or whatever. What, what I find is that things just take a lot longer than they used to. Exactly. You know, having this condition kind of, it's like living in slow motion sometimes. And 
I don't always remember. I don't always remember that I have to compensate. So I'm just used to like seeing what the time is and saying, right, I've got 10 minutes, that's plenty of time. But actually realising, well, a few years ago it used to take me 10 minutes, but now it takes me more like 15, 20 minutes to, to get up, get up, get ready, get out, or sometimes even longer. So often, especially when you're when you're on, it's very um, challenging to plan for a journey anticipating when, you, when you're off. But I guess that's one of the tips, to try to avoid travelling during an off period. Right? Yeah, exactly. Set your meds at the right time. So, so when you're queuing for a plane or, or get yeah. in the car, you, 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 you're fine. You, you, your meds have kicked in. Um, I think um, you're talking about organising and stuff. Mm. I think it's, it's, it takes a bit of time to... to uh, organisation is the key to life. I mean, yeah. sometimes my wife says to me, what have you done all day? And I've, I've organised a few things and, and done a few things, but I haven't done a lot. You know, I've emptied the dishwasher, I've walked the dog. I've, I've got tea ready and, and that's enough that can be enough for a day well, you know I, I think we need to be a little bit forgiving of ourselves because Parkinson's does inf- impact cognition executive function planning particularly just just the smallest of tasks now can, can take a lot longer or, or in itself be a challenge and you end up sometimes just putting stuff off or, or not doing it and that that's the condition at play that's not us just being lazy or it, you know it's a real thing it's 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 the it's the condition that's um, impacting us in that way yeah talking about travel and, and the impact of parkinson's um driving is a big thing isn't it a lot mm. of people it's probably the question i get asked more than anything mm. on, online people say can you still drive yeah same same likewise i was always a rubbish driver it took me six, <laughs> six attempts <laughs> to pass my driving test. yeah uh, so, but, t- tell them what your first car was uh, uh a, a mini Mayfair, uh, uh, an original mini, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah original so just, mini. just for context, Dave's what six foot three, six four, yeah. And uh, an original mini probably uh, comes up to my waist, right? <laughs> so uh, it's it was a, a big man in a tiny car. Exactly. There used to be a footballer at Leeds United called Duncan McKenzie. He could jump over a mini. Oh, he, really? He could hurdle a mini, yeah. Oh, blimey! Amazing. I couldn't hurdle a mini. I couldn't <laughs> do that at all now. Uh, but I can still drive. Um, what you've got to do, you've got to tell the DVLA, or mm. if you're not in this country, in, in, in Great Britain, um, it's an you, equivalent you, you process. Li- your licensing authority. Yeah. Whoever issues your license, you have to tell them. Mm. I'll tell your insurance as well. Yeah. And they'll put you on a one, two, or three year license. I'm on a three year at the moment. I'm doing all right. Yeah. But, but, you know, that, that'll come down. As, yeah. as, as... Most people retain their license or retain a license. Um, and there is a big fear that actually, you know, you might end up losing your license, you know, if, if the driving authorities know that you've got Parkinson's. That's not the case in, in, in most instances. And sometimes there's an assessment involved. And there's a great charity in this in this area, QEF, who've got some great tips. We'll leave some, we'll leave a link to them in the uh, in the show notes, and we're probably going to have a dedicated episode on driving in the future because there's so many aspects of it. Yeah, exactly. Um, you can still drive, and you can get your car adapted as well. And if you've got, you can get a blue badge if you've got Parkinson's, which mm. is really helpful when, when you're travelling. Um, you can you can drive and park in great areas, get get a priority spot in the supermarket, all that sort of stuff. So well worth doing. Yeah, I, I haven't applied for my blue badge yet, but uh, you keep reminding me. And uh, the, the thing I have applied for recently is um, is the Freedom Pass, and this is a very London specific message. But if you do travel in, into London or live around London, use Transport for London, uh, a Freedom Pass. Well, there's two types of Freedom Passes. One is for people over a certain age. There's a Freedom Pass for for free travel across TfL uh, buses, tubes, and and so on. But there's a disability version of that, which if you have uh, Parkinson's, and particularly if you have PIP, the payment, uh, what's PIP? Personal Independence Payment. That's the one, yeah. The the one that Dave and I recently got. It automatically qualifies you for a Freedom Pass, and you just got to apply through your local council. That's interesting, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it could save you a bit of money. The, The other thing I find is I'm driving a lot less these days because... 
I just get tired, to, to be honest with you. What with the rigidity and the fatigue and sitting in a car, especially in and around London, when you're mostly you're not, you're not moving very no. fast and you're stuck in traffic a lot of the time and, you know, road rage probably doesn't help the symptoms either. I find myself, I'm, I'm, I'm walking a lot more and, I, and, I, and it's great. Yesterday we, we, we went down to the shops, didn't we? It was a bit of a walk. Ordinarily, I probably would have driven, but uh, yesterday, you know, we had a nice walk and it was our warm up for our tennis and good, good bit of exercise. The other thing I do more than I've done before is um, riding a bike. And the only reason I can do that is I've got an electric bike. And this, you know, sounds very extravagant, but it's not. Electric bikes are quite common now and the, the price has come down quite significantly. And you can cover a, a much greater distance and, and manage hills in a way that. Uh, Maybe you wouldn't ordinarily do if, you, if you're not cycle fit, uh, particularly if you have Parkinson's. But So e- even if you are struggling to walk, there's a particular type of balance that's impacted uh, and gait that's impacted with Parkinson's that doesn't apply to cycling. Everybody with Parkinson's can still cycle. There's amazing footage, isn't there, of a guy who can hardly walk and then yeah. just jumps on a bike and whizzes off. Yeah. You haven't been on a bike recently, have you? No, nah, in 2012 I had a big accident. I... Um I was I was cycling to Richmond Park trying to keep fit and a van turned across my path and I went through his passenger window. I had plastic, plastic surgery on my chin, broke my collarbone, had a really bad time and yeah. it, it wasn't my fault. I just went through a green light and he turned right on me and it was, yeah. it was a nightmare and it's put me off cycling completely. Uh, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not surprised, yeah. I mean, I mean, be careful, that's that's the key. It's an alternative in in some cases, you know, particularly on, on, on shorter journeys and of course you get the benefit of, of exercise. I find cycling particularly helps with the rigidity um so I'm, I'm a big fan of it but uh, again i'd only do it because it's a, a assisted power assisted electric bike just just on, on the driving thing again um people say you know when the time's right to hand your license back you you, you know you'd have to think about it when you can't drive properly you know you can't drive properly you know you're a danger and then's the time to get rid of your license and hand it back i think so and um likewise even now i if i'm feeling off i, I won't drive um, mainly because I don't want to, but obviously there's a, you know, you've got to be sensible about these things, uh, and some some medication can cause sudden sleepiness as well as we, as we've heard on before in this in this podcast. So, but so the key is just just to be sensible about it. Yeah, Parkinson's the gift that keeps on taking, isn't it? Really? Yeah, yeah. Well, the other option is just to adapt, and uh, you talked about we talked about adapting with this condition, but physically adapt uh, your vehicle. Yeah, you can. You, if, if if your right foot won't work properly, you can get a left hand. Um, accelerator, which is is quite good, you know, will fit it up for you. I think motability, yeah, quite, mo- motability, are, are, are which quite is good. Effectively, get a, a, I think it's a brand new car, isn't it? Mm. Um, and it can be specially modified for whatever whatever symptoms you're 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 catering for. Yeah, and you can control with your hands as well. Yeah, <laughs> the, the other thing I've stopped doing is driving at night now because yeah. I, my 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 vision uh, I found is being impacted, and again, this is <clears throat> because of Parkinson's. Um, I get particularly at night, uh, blurred vision and, and double vision. So, you know, obviously driving driving at night with headlights sh- shining in your eyes is, isn't ideal. So, um, yeah, I've just sort of given that up. OK. Uh, we like to get the views of our Parkinson's community. Charlie's got a few views on, on travel. Hi, David and Kuhan. Charlie Applehead here, uh, Managing Director of Sport Parkinson's. Diagnosed with Parkinson's aged 39, seven years ago. Top tips for travel, first of all, by car. Don't be afraid to get a blue badge. Don't be embarrassed. It can really, really help you out. If you're driving any distances and you have, still have a licence, make sure you plan it so your drugs are working, so you make sure you can drive as well as possible. And don't drive when you're off. It can be dangerous. Second thing, 
train journeys. For me, is a busy train station when the trains, uh, train platforms aren't announced yet. Go to the rail information or the special assistance desk and say you've got Parkinson's and make sure you say that, that you need help and uh, even if you don't need help to get on the train, they can give you the, the platform number the train is going from here before anyone else and you can make sure you get the said train platform, get on the train before anyone boards. Regarding plane travel... Two things I would say is be parking proud and again preparation is key. Make sure you've got the right clothing, so make sure you don't not see the airport scanners, make sure you let people know at check-in, at uh, security, at pre-boarding, boarding and getting on the plane, that you have Parkinson's, you'll be able to get to the front of the queue every time, be given priority treatment and it takes the stress away. That's why I think a lot of people try not to say they've got Parkinson's. My advice is be proud you've got Parkinson's, let people know and it just becomes easier for you. Make sure you, second tip is to make sure your drugs are working at key stages of the journey so you have as little stress-free time as possible and make sure you um, have someone there to meet you at your destination or you know what the situation is when you get to your destination and don't be afraid to ask for special assistance. I suppose it's my main bad experiences with travelling with Parkinson's have all been when my drugs haven't been working at key times, haven't prepared well enough, or something untowards happened, but you can't really always do about that. You know, I've had a couple of occasions where my drugs have gone off really suddenly and I've been in a big queue for getting on a plane and haven't been able to move and it's been very, very stressful. But again, ask, ask for help. Um, if you need a wheelchair, and some occasions I had to be on a wheelchair, which wasn't, wasn't ideal. Um, and then finally... Just don't stop travelling. You know, just because you have Parkinson's doesn't mean you can stop doing things. I've done some great things since I was diagnosed I'd never done before. <laughs> but, you know, it's very, very easy to not want to travel because of the, the stress of everything. But you know, Dave, you're an international traveller watching Bruce all over the world. You must, must be doing really cool things and do as many great things as possible while you can. Do what you, do what you can... Don't worry about what you can't do. Be proud of what you can do. International Traveller Day. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> it's great advice from Charlie. Yeah, really he, good he, tips. He, he plays a lot of golf, travels around the world playing golf. He's a, he's a, he travels for business as well. He's a fluent German speaker, goes to Germany. He's got an office out there of his company. And he's, he's, he's an example to us all. He, he runs Sport Parkinson's as well, which is a great organisation. Have a look on them online. And uh, he's, 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 he's a really good guy. Yeah, and really great messages. I like that. Be parky and proud. Yeah. That's, a, that's a really nice message. And a lot of this about, you know, wearing a lanyard or identifying yourself with somebody with Parkinson's or, you know, talked about the wheelchair experience. A lot of this is about acceptance and that psychological barrier. You know, I still find myself, even now, like, I find myself re- almost reluctant to say it out, out loud that, you know, mm. I have Parkinson's. So, you know, whether I'm at a checking counter or on a train, r- rather than say it to the person next to me or, or the staff, having a lanyard, which I still haven't got, by the way, you've got yours in front of you, yeah. the sunflower lanyard, is a, is, is a great way to overcome that psychological barrier. Um, although, you know, I, I should be sort of 
getting over that barrier and, and not, not be embarrassed to, to say I've got this condition and ask for help. This is a great thing, actually, the Hidden Disabilities lanyard. It's, it's got sunflowers on it. It's, it's a green. It's very clear. If you, if you put it on, people are gonna, it's going to yeah. attract attention and people are going to come and help you. And, and it's, it's so widely recognised. I didn't realise it had such recognition, not only in the UK, but also ab- abroad as well. Yeah, if you're at the airport, they'll help you with that. And um, if you're, you're at the railway station, you often get priority seating and stuff. So it's yeah. well worth having. It, it just takes a bit of bottom to put it on. Yeah. Is, is that that admission that you've but got I, something? I, I I find it I take find it takes more bottle to actually say the words out loud. Yeah. So wearing a badge that says I have Parkinson's, I actually find it would be easier. But I I guess this is different for everybody. Um, the other message that I liked that, that Charlie uh, touched on was the theme about don't stop, don't don't let this condition stop do, doing what, what you love to do. Um, and I and I found myself sort of travelling less or, or going out less. That you know that there's that stat that I quoted before that. Half of people with Parkinson's find it more difficult to leave the home. Mm-hmm. You, know, you tend to get more isolated. I think travelling, whether it's to meet friends or do some social activity or go on holiday, I find people tend to avoid those sorts of activities because they've got this notion that the condition is stopping them. Whereas, as, as Charlie quite rightly pointed out, don't let the don't dwell on the things that you can't do. You know, just try and focus on the things that you can do. Celebrate what you can, yeah. Yeah, and you know, we've had our anniversaries recently. We've, we've both been reflecting. I bet you, twelve years ago, Dave, if you if you were projecting out uh, this long, you, you never would have imagined that you would be like this, right? I thought it'd be a real mess. I thought it'd be yeah. a terrible. Start. I thought we wouldn't be able to walk and talk, and uh, you know, be housebound and all that sort of yeah. stuff. I'm not. I'm 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 parking proud. Yeah, likewise, likewise, and. Uh, now I've just given up predicting the future because there's no point because a a it's an unknown particularly with Parkinson's there is no defined path for this e- even now that you know we're several years into this that you know certain things are in contr- are in our control we don't know what's going to happen in the future in terms of treatments or cure but I found that sort of living for the now and living for the today I found I'm I'm, I'm doing a lot more things than I did before and I'm I'm finding that I get a lot more reward from life but by taking that approach. Don't punish yourself by looking too far into the future. Look look how far you've come. That's, that's a good, good yeah. way of looking at it. Uh, another of our international jet setters on the line now is Mark. Hi, guys. My name's Mark. Um, I recently flew to Mauritius and I wanted to share some of my travel tips with you. I hope they help. Uh, the first place I recommend starting is actually talking to your Parkinson's nurse or consultant. And we actually decided it would be a good idea to take a month's worth of extra medication just in case there was a problem getting back. Uh, We also spoke about the time difference, which was four hours ahead. Uh, We decided it was good to stick to English time while I was abroad, and uh, that seemed to work out okay. My nurse also wrote a letter detailing that I had Parkinson's, uh, what medication I had with me, and it needed to be with me at all times. Um, I actually booked a night flight, uh, which I thought would be uh, beneficial to stick to my routine as much as possible so I take my last meds at seven o'clock and we actually flew at uh, half past eight that seemed to help Um, the only thing I would recommend is if you are taking a night flight is try and get a seat near the toilet and the reason I say this is because what I found was that people tend to put uh, their feet in the aisle at night while they're sleeping and if you're quite a distance away it can be quite tricky to try and get uh, over all their feet. Um, I actually paid for priority check-in and priority boarding which uh, was helpful to de-stress the sort of getting on the plane bit but um, I since found out that we actually flew with BA and I believe on their website you can actually sort of notify them that you've got Parkinson's and they help you get on the plane get off the plane and make all that process um, 
so much easier. So I think it's definitely worth whoever you fly with checking with the airline before you fly and, and letting them know and then they take care of you as much as possible. To be honest, I was a little nervous about flying because I hadn't flown since I got diagnosed with Parkinson's four years ago. But I think with a little bit of planning, with a chat with your nurse and the airline, it can really be uh, quite stress-free and uh, as enjoyable as possible. So uh, that's my tips. I hope you have a nice holiday wherever you're going. Thanks, Mark. We will, yeah. Yeah, Mark also had his uh, park anniversary recently as well. So uh, it's it's a bit of a theme at the moment. Um, and some great messages there. I guess the underlying one, again, is just takes a bit of planning, right? Yeah, big time. Um, I think the seat number is, is quite interesting. He said an aisle seat. I find an aisle seat's best as well. Because mm. so, sometimes I stiffen up and I want to stretch. Yeah. And it's stretched in the aisle. And also, um, if you want to go to the loo, the dreaded loo thing, if you, you don't go to the loo, you don't want to be crawling over someone. Yeah, the yeah. I mean, on my flight back to, to Asia, you know, I couldn't sleep and it was like a, a 11, 12 hour flight in total. I, <laughs> Helen packed a, um, a, a pee bottle for me, uh, an empty uh, water bottle, just in case I, I had to go and um, I couldn't access the toilet. You know, sometimes, you know, when the turbulence hits and yeah. uh, they put the fasten seatbelt sign on, you, you, can, you can literally be stuck. Fortunately, I didn't have to use it, uh, but I didn't... No one wants to see your old boy get out <laughs> of the seat next to you. No. He's off. It's all right. Carry um, on, carry on. Um, the thing I'd say about the, 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 the loo thing is, I, I'm guessing a lot of people would tend to drink less water when they're travelling because of their fear of uh, needing, needing, needing to pee. Mm. That's actually the worst thing to do, uh, particularly when it comes to taking medication. Because if, if you... And we're, we're, we're both guilty of this sometimes. We're out and about and we just dry swallow our pills, don't we, without, yeah, without yeah. any water. Not a good idea, that. It's not a good idea. It, because you it, need 200 millilitres of water with the pills. Yeah, my, my nurse always says, take, just take it with some orange juice. Um, because it, you know, it needs to be absorbed in in the gut. That's the way the uh, Parkinson's med works. So uh, try to avoid dry swallowing and try to hydrate as much as possible. Possible, particularly when you're when you're flying, of course. Speaking about meds, uh, however long ago for I have the same amount of meds again. So if I'm away for two weeks, I have a month's worth of meds. Yeah, me me too. Um, and what I do is not only just split them up because you know if you, if you lose one then you know you've you've got the other but um i split them into multiple bags actually or multiple pockets uh, as well uh, just leave a little pill box in each a little stash here and there just in case you know because the worst nightmare for me would be if i if i if i lost my medication i think you've got to keep keep the meds in, in the in the boxes that they come with, come with Koo when you when you travel, just in case they think you're a drug smuggler. Or something. Yeah, exactly. Um, you've got this bad habit of just taking your pills loosely in your yeah, yeah. in your in your um, pockets. in your pockets. And uh, there was <laughs> it was interesting the other day when we were at the pub um, rehydrating after tennis, <laughs> which I won by the way. Uh, <laughs> um, Lucky. <laughs> um, five five times in a row, Dave. That's not luck. <laughs> um, you you were you you were sort of you were having an off period, and I said, "Have you taken your meds?" You, you said, "Yeah, I just took them five minutes ago." I said, "All right." So you know, half an hour went by, and you you were still looking quite off. I said, "Are you sure you've taken your meds?" And you checked your pockets, and you're thinking, oh, "I think I've taken them. I'm not yeah. entirely sure." And I do this all the time. And what I find is, you know, I'll take, especially when I'm at home, when I'm taking the pills directly from the from the container, the pill box or the the blister pack. Um, 
I don't always know if I've taken it or not because I'm, I'm not counting. I have no way to count what's what's left, mm. as it were. And I think this is one of the disadvantages of carrying your pills loosely in your pocket like that because you don't you don't have any way of um, understanding, you know, what you've got left and have a checkpoint to see if you've if you have double dosed b- by mistake. I feel like I've just been told off, Kieran. You, you have, yes. <laughs> I, 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 I'll tell you off because um, Helen Helen tells me used to tell me off in the same way about this precise thing, and unfortunate because uh, she she manages my medication in the morning she'll she'll um set my pill box up for the day and it makes a big difference because i can just look at it now i'll know instantly if i've taken it or not yeah mark said he took a month with the medication i think that's that's probably about right you know i put it in my, my checked in luggage and my my hand luggage as well because i have left my hand luggage on the plane before i was i was traveling to uh hamburg once for the darts and we were there a couple of days in advance and uh the, the flight was delayed so we hit the bar and had a few pints and the crew with me and um we, we, uh, not the crew of the plane, the, the crew of the, the t- <laughs> <laughs> thank, thank goodness, thank goodness the pilot wasn't drinking. Um, and we flew to Hamburg and we, we had three or four pints before we went. I left my hand luggage on there with, with my, my suits and everything. So I would have had no clothes to, to, to wear on air when I was, when I was presenting the dance. But no meds as well. No meds as well. So, so what did you do? Well, I luckily I saw one of the cabin crew carrying my bag. And uh, so, so thank goodness for that. So I had to go collect it. But it's quite weird because there was Chris Rear, the, the singer was on the flight. And I went back through security to, and saw Chris Rear. And I said to this girl who was, who was part of the, the TV crew, I said, I said, that's Chris Rear, Chris Rear. She was too young, she, right? She, she started singing Lady in Red. Oh, Lady in Red, yeah, of course. I said, that's, that's, that's the wrong Chris. Oh. That's Chris de Burr. Oh, yeah. He's driving home for Christmas, Chris. <laughs> So he heard us and started giggling. But I got my bag back, got my meds back. But it's always taught me to put it in my checked-in luggage and my hand luggage as well. Yeah, reduced the risk is what I th- I think. And not just when you're sort of travelling and flying, but um, even when you're just out every day, what I do is I'll, I'll leave some meds in, in the car, for example. Yeah. I'll leave some medication in Helen's handbag, for example. Coat pockets as well, every coat pocket. Yeah, exactly, yeah. I'll, I'll find pills at the bottom of every, every pocket. But, you know, it's about reducing the risk because, yeah, if, if your bag gets lost or something, then you, you're not stuck because I couldn't imagine what it would be like, particularly if you're away from home and, you're, and you've lost your medication. That, that must be a real nightmare. The other tip that uh, Mark had was uh, have a letter from your, from your nurse who you can start on, which contains um, your, your medication, which because a lot of people, and I include myself in this for a long time, I couldn't reel off the, the medications that I had, you know, I couldn't. I didn't know how to spell some of them and uh, didn't know, I couldn't remember exactly what the dosage was and, and so on. So just just write it down or have it written down. The other advantage of having a letter is it can, it can identify any particular symptoms that you've got. Uh, there was an example of um, somebody in the States that was uh, flying and um, they ended up being arrested because they were having a hallucination. One of the... Um, one of the quirks of uh, Parkinson's we've talked about before is uh, uh, nighttime hallucinations, particularly, and obviously that was it wasn't understood by by the people on the plane, and that uh, they ended up arresting him. So actually, having a letter that has your medication, but also any symptoms, particularly if there are any peculiar symptoms, uh, I think is a useful thing to do. I think it's quite good to put your your meds regime on your phone as well. So, yeah. So you've you've got a list of everything just in case. The worst happens, you lose meds or need meds abroad, and you can, you can get yeah, them. Yeah, I would say have to have them both on your phone and and something on paper printed as well or, or written yeah. because sometimes when you're at the airport and 
I'm using the airport as an example here, but it can be any situation like this where you know you you might be a little bit more stressed, your symptoms are that much worse, you, your fingers not, might not be working properly, as the, uh, you might not be able to operate your phone it, it, at, that, at that time, or it might take you a bit longer. Just having it a bit uh, same information on a piece of paper just kind of gives you that backup as well, and it gives you an alternative in case you can't use your phone. You'd have to go abroad as well. I mean, there's loads yeah. of great places, loads of great cottages and stuff you can rent in, in England, and loads of holiday parks. You can go to caravan, static caravans, all that sort of stuff. It's just good to get away. Yeah, you possibly can, possibly can afford it as well. Exactly. I mean, I don't know if it was, I don't know if it's Parkinson's or because it was COVID the last few years, but we've done a lot more travelling in the UK, and there's some beautiful parts of this country. They, they really are, and um, I've, I've appreciated them more now that I've, I'm doing getting out and about a bit more in this country rather than just defaulting to a, a foreign holiday. I saw a post you put out on Twitter a couple of days ago about getting into nature and how that can oh, affect yes. Parkinson's with some research at Harvard University. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, the research was basically looking at health records of people with the condition, without the condition, and where where they lived in terms of whether they were in urban areas or rural areas. And there's a clear correlation that people that lived uh, in in pro- close proximity to parks, uh, green green areas, forests, um, and uh, areas surrounded by water, lakes, ponds, oceans, rivers, they were less likely to be hospitalised as a result of their Parkinson's than people that lived in, in uh, urban conurbations, uh, particularly in, in major cities. So, you know, there's some science behind that, but I'm sure you don't need me to tell you that getting out and about in, in nature, you know, is, is, is good for your health generally, but it seems to have a particular impact for people with Parkinson's. I think walking on, on uneven surfaces as well is good for, for your balance. You know, if you walk down a forest path or something, that, that can help with balance and and it's, there's no downside to getting out in nature if you can get out get out fresh air uh, it's really something about trees and parkinson's you know uh, i love hugging a tree <laughs> well i've got a new appreciation for trees and you know as you know I, like, I quite like taking photos of flowers and stuff stuff i never used to do before but you know gives me gives me a lot of joy some people travel with a walking stick which um you know you get a foldable one mm. uh, joe gregory's got one that he uses all the time yeah. and it, one of the guys that does the keep you uppies. Yeah, he, he carries a walking stick with him, and it's great. Just a walking stick, you fold out. Yeah. You need it. People, people yeah. will help you if you've got a walking stick. Yeah, you were telling me about a special walking stick that you're looking into the other day, weren't you? Yeah, tipple stick. It's called. <laughs> Fancy this? It's, you, you can put a shot of whiskey or, or brandy in the top of it. It's got a flask in, built into it. So feeling a bit dodgy, just have a, a slug of your Excellent. whiskey. Perfect. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Let's next contribution comes from Annie. Hi Clarky, hi Kuhan, this is Annie and here are my top tips for when you're travelling. I used to actually love the unpredictability of travel but since having Parkinson's that's not so helpful for me anymore so I I find it uh, tougher when I don't quite know where I'm going to be. So the first thing I guess I do is try and prepare up front if I've got time, you know, read up on my proposed journey, know where I'm heading And it just really helps remove the stress or anxiety of traveling so that I can enjoy it more. I'd say log your PD with your travel insurance company as a pre-existing medical condition. So that helps if you have any challenges whilst you're overseas in particular. um, And it helps you to have a better experience if they've already got that logged. On that note, uh, a global health insurance card is really helpful because it has gives you access to medical support should you need it. And similarly, driving in Europe, you know, if you are um, a blue badge holder, 
if you check how it can be used in the country you're visiting, you'll often find that you can use that uh, with no problems whatsoever. I've started using one of those really comfy travel pillows for longer flights. It's a little bit bulky to carry, but it really helps ease my dystonia in my neck and any dyskinesia that I might be experiencing on the day. It just really helps me relax on the, the aircraft chairs that you sit on for hours on end. At the airport, um, there are often quiet areas and lounges which sometimes you have to pay for, but I often find that, you know, if you've got a friendly face and you have got a sunflower lanyard on and if you're having a bad day and you just explain that to somebody that you are struggling, it, they will often find you some nice quiet space in which to sit. So don't be afraid to ask for help. I'd say dress comfortably, especially on longer journeys and longer flights. For example, if you are flying long haul, your body does expand, which sounds a bit grim, but... If you're wearing comfy clothing and easy to remove shoes, um, then it makes life a lot easier as your your body changes with the pressure of the flight. Um, I also like to wear some comfy socks on board because I take my shoes off and I'd rather walk round the floor in socks rather than my bare feet for obvious reasons. I often find that uh, hotels are really helpful if you tell them you've got Parkinson's uh, they will put you either in a, a lower floor room or check that there are lifts in the hotels. They'll often, if you request it, put you nearer to the facilities like the pool, for example, which is really helpful. If you're in extreme heat or extreme cold, I find that this can affect my symptoms somewhat. So it's good to understand and be pay attention to how your meds may be reacting to this. So rest up if you can, and as much as you can if you need to. Final thing, um, and probably the most important thing for me, is um, having a playlist of some kind on my phone. Something I really like to listen to, to while away the hours whilst I'm travelling. Something that helps relax me, something I can sing along to. Final, final, final thing is uh, enjoy the travel experience, you know. This can be done with Parkinson's just as much as you probably enjoyed it when you didn't have Parkinson's, but it just takes a bit more thought and a bit more preparation. There's a lot out there in the world to see, so I'd encourage us all to keep travelling, keep moving. You just have to prepare a little bit more than you might have done ordinarily beforehand. Enjoy yourselves and uh, happy travels. Great advice, man. You can tell she used to work in the travel industry, can't you? Oh, God, that, that was amazing. Great series of, of, of tips there. Again, a lot of the main theme was about planning and preparation. Uh, but um, re- really good stuff. Um, I like the music one. I think that's quite good because I think distraction is quite quite helpful when you're uh, when you're travelling and you're feeling anxious or, or, or stressed, whether it's music or playing a game or reading a book or you know something just to take the, the focus away from you know what might ordinarily be a stressful experience. Headphones, noise cancelling headphones. I, I, I don't know if it's just me, but. Um, I find I'm very intolerant to noise um, in the last few years. Um, it gives me a real headache, and uh, especially when I'm off, I find it difficult to concentrate, and uh, I just it adds to the stress level. So uh, get yourself a good pair of headphones or earphones. I've got the Apple ones. They're a little bit pricey. There are third-party ones. Well, you've got a pair of... Uh, Sony ones. Sony ones, yeah, yeah. I really like those, yeah. yeah. Um, there's, uh, there's some... One great ones on Amazon as well. Uh, I bought a pair for sixty pounds, and, and they really do cancel out a lot of the noise. So uh, I'd recommend a pair of those. 
she mentioned clothing as well, loose loose clothing. She mentioned socks, which coincidentally, the other day you gave me a pair of socks as well, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, That's... sock shop socks, right? Made, made of bamboo, they're great. They're really stretchy, so you can get them on easily if you're struggling. Yeah, uh, I haven't tried them on yet, and I hope they fit, because uh, I'm not quite the size 13s that you are. But, they they uh... weren't second-hand socks, by the way. I didn't <laughs> get them new. I didn't give you my sweaty socks. Um, yeah, and the other thing um, I think you heard from, from everybody there... Um, main thing is don't stop just enjoy your travels um you know it can be very rewarding i felt quite proud actually that i was able to go away for five weeks uh, as i did in in winter and uh, it's a bit of a it was a bit of a challenge that i set myself and um, you know consequently I, I feel quite happy and satisfied that I was, I was able to do it or still able to do it and you were a new man when you came back you were you were yeah and, and loving life <laughs> yeah. and relaxed and fit and strong it was amazing First thing Dave said to me when I got back, he goes, you're tanned. I had to explain to him that I was actually largely born this way. So it's, a, it's quite a large, uh, largely yeah, natural tan. But no, no, I did um, go a bit t- a darker and got a bit of sun. And that we talked about before, vitamin D is so important. I really struggle in, in winter months um, in, in cold climates, which is why I try to do my, my holidays, big holidays anyway, in the winter. Whereas the rest of the year, uh, I don't mind being in 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 the UK because I, you know, I quite like particularly spring and autumn, ideal months for me temperature wise. Um, so I try to go away from the, the the cold, dark winter days if possible. I hope that's given you a bit of food for thought, um, and hopefully you you'll carry on travelling because it's it's a great thing, isn't it? Yeah, don't stop, don't stop. All right, time for this. People with Parkinson's do amazing things. Oh yes, time for people with Parkinson's do amazing things. We're off to Canada for our first person with Parkinson's doing amazing things. TV news anchor Harry Forrestal, host of CBC News, has been broadcasting with Parkinson's for many years. He's now gone public about his deep brain stimulation operation. He turned off his DBS in front of the TV cameras to show the, the beneficial effects of his, his surgery, which was a very brave thing to do. Is there a clip of that? on? There is, yeah. We'll, we'll, oh, we'll okay. post it, yeah. Brilliant. Well done, Harry. Great, great. Yeah. Really brave, that. We're staying in Canada where artist Barbara Salzberg-Matthews posted a video of her smooth dancing moves on Twitter under the headlines, Parkinson's can't stop me dancing. She pulled some great shapes and encouraged you all to move to the groove. Dance has been proved to be great medicine for Parkinson's. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, dance groups um, and it, it, it's proven that particular type of motion is, as a form of exercise is particularly beneficial for people with Parkinson's. Now to Belfast, where Scott Hanley has massively eased his Parkinson's symptoms by joining CrossFit Belfast. After three months of being at the gym, Scott described himself as 95% symptom-free. Not only did he lose 30 pounds, he no longer had tremors or sticky feet. He was examined by two neurologists who couldn't believe his improvement, which just shows you the power of exercise. Yeah, I still think it's underrated uh, exercise. Um, And I've heard a few people get into CrossFit particularly. I've never tried it myself. Uh, but uh, as we heard from um, Dr Jennifer Foley uh, in our episode, in our previous episode, hot and sweaty, that's the sort of ideal exercise. You really need to get the heart going to, to, to get the benefit. So, so so, well done. Excellent. We're off to get hot and sweaty now playing tennis. So hopefully you, you won't beat me again, Kieran. <laughs> we'll see. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Safe travels. Safe travels.